Bienvenue au Apple Store Sainte-Catherine. Welcome to the Apple Store. My name is Philip and I'm the events coordinator here. Uh, we're really happy to host a Meet the Filmmaker event here in store and especially having a great artist here with us tonight. Let's watch the trailer for Willow Creek. Check one. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check one. I said I would come on this trip to help you with your film, and it's your birthday, and we're gonna have a great time, but I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot. Well, then why are you here? I like being with you. I just don't want you to think I'm crazy. Pets and people go missing all the time. I'll go in there myself. You can just stay here in town if you want. You believe any nut job out there that says Sasquatch is real? Your friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. I never felt this way about anyone. It's about 29 miles north of here, you come to the bottom of Bluff Creek. We're here. <laughs> We're here. When you get in there, it's a steep canyon, there's a running creek, there's forest, it's thick, and you're gonna feel how isolated they were. Callie, come here. The real truth of it is you're out in the middle of nowhere. How do we know we're going in the right direction? You don't want to be in the movie, and now you're Stanley fucking Kubrick. Turn off the camera. There's a lot of people uh, living back in these woods, and they just don't like other people in their business. Turn that fucking thing okay, off. Okay, let's go, Jim. See Bye. the buckshot on the side? What is my sock doing in the tree? People don't want us to come out here, so people are probably fucking with us. Now let's big a big warm welcome and let's applaud Stuart Andrews and Bobcat Goldthwaite for Meet the Filmmaker. Hi guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for warming them up. <laughs> I was hoping to be more people, but I realized there's a French dubbed language version of Galaxy of Terror playing right at the same time, so I think you've been upstaged by giant rape monsters from outer space. Uh, story of my life. I, um, I actually thought this would be about how many people would come. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine with it. A lot of you are just staring at me. Uh, they go, is that his real voice? Uh, yeah, so hi. Uh, for those who aren't... Bob Scratch Goldfarb. Yeah, Bob Scratch Goldfarb. So um, first of all, I, I have to thank you for your previous film, God Bless America, because like I'm fond of telling my friends, yes. Oh, thank you. Thanks, guys. It, it's not only a film I've secretly wanted to make, it's a <laughs> life I've secretly wanted to live. <laughs> so thank you very much for that wonderful catharsis. So before we get into Willow Creek, I want to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Um, all right. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, be, Joel Murray. Who it'd plays be really Frank. weird if you didn't. <laughs> After that, yeah. Joel Murray, who plays Frank, frequently throughout the film mentions that society has gone very cruel, and he often uses that as justification for his righteous rampage of annihilation. So I'm not sure, and forgive me if he actually gets more explicit than that, but if I was to be able to ask Frank why he thinks society has gotten so cruel, what would his answer be? And if his perspective is lacking, then I'll ask you directly, Mr. Bobcat, what, why has society gotten so cruel? I, I actually don't know if it has, you know, I mean, it, I, it's only from my perspective of current times, do you know what I mean? I'm sure if, uh, I, you know, I lived through the Crusades, uh, I'd probably go, well, these, these people aren't very nice at all. But um, it, it, it's only what I see around, and I do believe, and it's funny <laughs> saying this in an Apple store, uh, is I do believe p part of it is the digital age. I think it really kind of encourages uh, uh, narcissism a little bit, or, or a lot, you know? And also just in the States, and I'm sure it trickles over here, um, we really do like to make um, really stupid people famous. Um, so uh, I just, you know, the movie for me really was about why or where are we going as people more than me? It's not like a laundry list of things that I find annoying. Although, um, you know, the genesis of it was, um, <laughs> I, I was in the London and they were having a, uh, my Super Sweet 16 marathon. Did that play here? Are you familiar with that show? It's when 16 year old girls are given brand new cars for their birthdays and they scream at their parents because of the wrong color. And, um, I was terrified that this is what we were exporting and that this is what people's perception of, uh, of everybody in the U.S. was. You couldn't just stop the homicidal fantasies flooding into your mind. Well, really, um, you know, I've always said my, my, my wife and I, I, uh, was, I, I don't think the key to a successful relationship is liking the same things. I've always said that the key is hating the same things. And... Um, that's what these two in the movie bond over, having similar distaste. But there's things that Frank complains about that I actually like. I mean, I, I didn't, I really didn't want it to be like, well, these are my things that I don't like, and if you got rid of them, it would be better world. I, it was really, um, I just really was asking, where, where are we going as people? Those scenes made me really self-conscious about using the word actually at the beginning of a sentence, which I, found, which <laughs> well, I didn't realize I actually did that, and I just did it there. <laughs> well, there are things, yeah, like on the line, and, and I'd like to say I'm better than this, but occasionally I do a uh, high five, so, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'd, I'd like to take the time to tell the people downstairs that we're giving away free iPads upstairs, if you come on up. We're not? <laughs> Still, still, we didn't get more people. Definitely <laughs> my favorite part of that movie is when Roxy says, and she's talking about Diablo Cody, that she's the only <laughs> stripper who suffers from too much self-esteem. Right. And that was an, another wonderfully <laughs> cathartic moment because I saw Juno after <laughs> she won the Academy Award, and oh. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, it was a jaw drop. I really couldn't believe that that dialogue won somebody any award well, other than a Raspberry Award. Well, I mean, yeah, the, there's 
really, there was the only line in there originally in the screenplay was that line that, that she's the only stripper with too much self-esteem. And it was based on that my daughter is a young woman, and um, when she says something's funny, this was years ago, people go, oh, you're like that Juno. And my daughter's like, Dad, I want to shoot them right in the face when they say that. So, um, <laughs> so the homicidal tendencies apparently is all through the family so you're tree. You're blaming your daughter. No, no, I'm not throwing her under the bus. But, but <laughs> I, I, I tried you're, to. You're afraid of bumping into Diablo Cody at a film. Oh no, 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 not at all. I, uh, no, no. What happened was after I'd written that line, a um, uh, someone suggested that I took it out. And it's uh, sexist and offensive. No, it was just because this guy was worried about running into Diablo Cody at a film festival. So after he told me to take it out, I went home and wrote an entire page about why Diablo Cody sucks. So, yeah, I'm not really backpedaling, but every once in a while. But I think she's kind of crazy if she really thinks a girl who's 15 and homicidal would sit down and watch <laughs> Juno and go, this speaks to me. You know. So I, we're all, you know... God's have creatures. Had, have you had any backlash about that particular? Scene? Yeah, she wrote a thing where she said that I hurt her feelings. So um, I don't know. I, and I replied back, <laughs> "Dear Diablo Cody, cram it, Bobcat Goldthwait." Fantastic. So there's a character in God Bless America at the end that's clearly based on, if not William Hung, the sort of. Sure. Bizarro world anti-pop star that American Idol spits out and, and mocks. So, did you ever wrestle with the notion of actually casting William Hung? No, in because that role? because William Hung was kind of. I used to direct the Jimmy Kimmel show. I did that for three years. Um, it's not really widely known. It's not like ABC went, "Hey, you know the guy who set the Tonight Show on fire?" Yeah, well, that's our director, but. Um, so I directed that show for like three years and William Hung was on the show and he was kind of difficult. Oh, and when okay. I saw that, I was just blown away that I loved the idea that here's this guy who I had this, I kind of felt bad for, but at the end of the day, he was, he was corrupt just like all of us, you know. That explains the ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, right. all right, well, let's get into Willow Creek. Um, as people saw in the trailer, they got a taste of this, but really it's a film of two halves. The first half has the two characters exploring Bigfoot country and all the personalities. It's a mockumentary, but we really get a taste of some of the real personalities. Yeah, it's not really it's not really a mockumentary because because the the first half that you talk about those uh, the majority of those people are real people. And, yeah. And and um, I always see myself kind of as a kook and a bit of an outsider, so I really didn't want to make fun of these people. Um, I, I, so it's, you know, in the spirit, it's very kind of, um, I don't know, it's not really... Well, it's a fun celebration of them. It's yeah, not condescending, yeah. we're not invited to laugh exactly, at them. Exactly, exactly. they are funny, too, so... Yeah, exactly. And, it, and, and it's funny, the trailer doesn't have any of the comedy in it, because the, the comedy, and when you're making a suspense movie and you put comedy in it, it really sent a really confusing message to people. Like they were like, you know, is this scary movie six? You know, or they're waiting for a Wayans brother to pop out or something. So, are you a big footer? Do you consider yourself a big footer? Um, I, 
Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm very, uh, very interested in the subject. I, I definitely, I've spent time out in the woods <laughs> with people while we're looking for Bigfoot. Yeah. One, um, one of the things I've learned while I've gone out in the wilderness looking for Bigfoot, I've realized that the people who look for Bigfoot, a lot of them really like um, grass. A lot of them are really on, they're on pot. They really like their marijuana. So uh, I don't think that's a prerequisite, but I think um, if you eat enough brownies, um, certainly you find an 800-pound wood ape running around behind you. You believe in the Sasquatch, though. You think there is yes, one out yes, there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You really do believe. You, it's not that you want to believe, you actually do believe. Um, sure. Right. But, but so I mean, if I'm asking the side of your brain that doubts the existence of God, right. even that side of your brain believes in the Sasquatch. Well, here's the difference between God and Sasquatch. I have met people who have seen Sasquatch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know... Um, the uh, Christian right in the States was upset by God Bless America um, because a, a group, of, group of people based on the Westboro Baptist Church may or may not get shot and killed in the movie. But, um, you know, and I'd written that, um, you know, people also, because of the events that happened on a regular basis in the United States. People were asking me about, you know, does a filmmaker have a responsibility not to portray things like that in a movie? And um, I think the events that happen in the United States is more of a reflection of our horrible way we treat the mentally ill and not about um, the movies we make. And I said, this is where people got mad. I said that if you could take a fictitious <laughs> If, you, if we're going to start banning violent works of fiction, we better start with the Bible. And if, um, and if violent works of fiction uh, actually made people into killers, that the military would produce movies. So what's your take I'm on available the for birthday parties for kids. <laughs> what's your take on the Patterson-Gimlin footage? Um, well, that, there's much debate in the Sasquatch community about that. I have actually, I'm one of the fans of that. I think that's probably the closest and the best uh, uh, evidence we've had until there's some DNA evidence. But the funny thing about the Patterson-Gimlin footage, um, I've started showing the movie to, to, uh, to Sasquatch enthusiasts, and they, they really like the movie, and it's very sweet, but they'll go, like, I had a guy stand up, and he goes, Mr. Goldthwaite, this is the second greatest Bigfoot movie ever, the first being the Patterson-Gimlin footage. <laughs> so I'm glad that the, the, the Sasquatch folks liked the movie. And, and when they first heard that I was making it, I think they thought I was going to make a snarky movie, uh, you know. But uh, when I showed it to Jimmy Kimmel, he called it the... Uh, he called it Scary and the Hendersons, which I liked a lot, yeah. <laughs> so basically, the road trip that Jim and Kelly, the characters, take in the movie, you had done just previously to actually making the film. Yeah. Presumably, that's what inspired you to yeah, make the, the movie. Yeah, the, the, the road to the Patterson-Gimlin footage is about two and a half hours down a 17-mile dirt road, and we got a flat tire, and then we ran into um, uh, a couple mountain lions. <laughs> So I was telling this story just a minute ago when, um, bless you, one of our, 
one of the Bigfoot experts that was with us out in the um, out in the woods was a ranger, and he goes, uh, "It's about 3 a.m." And he goes, "You know, I'm a writer too." And I go, "Oh, really? What do you write?" He goes, "You know, Twilight." I go, "Sure." I goes, "Well, I write Twilight-type novels set in the Bigfoot community." And they're coming-of-age stories of, for teenagers. And I go, oh, really? Uh, well, what's the name of your book? And he goes, uh, Yeti or Not. <laughs> so, by the way, it's available. Uh, 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 I don't know if uh, iTunes carries it, but I do know that Yeti or Not is available if you're up for it. Uh, quick read. Um, so, yeah, it was... So you were in good hands. We, definitely. This is the yeah. man who was protecting me from <laughs> a mountain lion. Well, here's the thing. Mountain lions, you mentioned you saw two. Yeah. All right. Well, the interesting thing about mountain lions is they're very stealthy. They're yeah. solitary predators. They're well camouflaged, and they're brilliant at hiding. Yeah. Right? And you saw two of those, and yeah. yet no giant <laughs> bipedal ape-like creatures. Well, because... Uh, I'm telling you, I'm poking away at right, like, but, but Sasquatch, some Sasquatch, doubt. Here's the thing. Um, a mountain lion's a cat, mm -hmm. you know? If I had a big enough string, I could have had five mountain lions out that night. Right. Okay. If you just dangled a string, uh, you know? That's why uh, uh, I don't think a, a Sasquatch was thinking about eating us, you know? Okay. But, a mountain lion, I did learn that, that they are cats, and so you don't run because you're just a 180-pound mouse, you know? So the actors that are in the movie, can you tell me about uh, how you cast them? Bryce Johnson and Alexi Gilmore. Well, Alexi was in a movie I did called uh, World's Greatest Dad. She was uh, the co-star with Robin Williams in that movie. And then uh, Bryce did a movie I did called Sleeping Dogs Lie. And they're just really good actors and they're really good friends. This movie was done where we actually, uh, see, I just said actually, <laughs> so, where we, 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 we slept outside, you know, so I needed people who are my friends. And there's a, a very lot, there's a lot of improvisation in the movie. There's a bit of a structure and outline, but a lot of improving. And, and they're good friends and people I trust. And, and uh, so they were down for the, for the uh, adventure. It was really fun. It seemed mostly improvised, especially, you know, the dialogue. That's the funny part. There's a lot of improving, and then there's some scenes that people think are improv, and those were the scripted ones. So it's really? it, it, but it's also just the, the fami familiarity we had and the friendships and stuff. Okay. The second half of the film sees the characters essentially, well, you're essentially you're riffing on Blair Witch. And in fact, you can yeah, really yeah. play a lot of signature moments from Blair Witch, but from a Bigfoot perspective. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm fully aware of the comparisons. You know, I, I myself have called it the Blair Squatch Project, but I, um, I, I was almost not gonna make the movie because it is a found footage movie, but, but I, I had a friend say, you know, you, you, you seem very passionate about this. You should really just go out and do your version and that will be different. And, and I hope it is different. It seems like the folks who've seen it, it is different enough, but, I have a problem with found footage movies because, <laughs> because I always wonder who is the creep that edits those movies, you know? <laughs> Who's the guy who goes, hey, I'm sorry your daughter got raped to death, but I really think if I re-edit it, there's a dynamite movie here. Um, so 
this movie's different in the fact that there's only 67 edits in the whole movie. You know, I didn't, uh, there's no editing. It's all done in camera by the talent. And of course we did multiple takes, but then the way it's strung out, it's that way. And, um, and uh, you know, I think there's a few twists and turns that people don't expect in the movie, but. Well, there's a scene that has already provoked discussion with people who've seen the movie and will provoke discussion after Monday night here at Fantasia. <laughs> when it screens on Monday night. But um, there's a really long scene with the two characters in a tent at yeah. night. And it's, it's they're a, yeah, listening it's to all the Bigfoot noises and everything. It's actually, yeah, it's a 19-minute long take. 19-minute long single uninterrupted take. So tell me about, first of all, where did you shoot that? Did you actually shoot yeah, it? That's the yeah, that's down there. And um, it was funny, the, the lead actor, Bryce... Um, he was like, um, hey man, because we'd seen the mountain lions, he's like, you know, this scene really doesn't need to be out in the woods. We could shoot it in a parking lot at the hotel. And I was like, no man, because he was really freaked out. <laughs> so, so the first take of that scene, the both of them just actually kind of broke down and just were crying and having a they really kind of lost it, and, and, and then the second take is the one that's in the movie, and then I did a third one, but the, the you know, in fact, that was funny, is the, the first take, because they were so emotional, I actually didn't put it in, part of it was because it, it did ring a little bit much like uh, Blair Witch, so I thought it was a little too close. So how did you prepare them for an uninterrupted 19 minute long take? Um, I told them a couple of beats, but I really didn't tell them what was gonna happen to them. And then, actually, as we kept doing the takes, I s kept switching uh, the events and adding different events. Okay. Which is funny. Well, I don't want to ruin the movie for people, but there's fun there's, um, they just have to see it, but there's some events in the movie <laughs> that happened, and um, I was watching it in, at a festival <laughs> recently, and I jumped, and the actress, Alexi, looks over at me and goes, you know that's you, right, dummy? <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it, but uh, I scared myself, I guess. It's so, oh, go ahead. So, when you decided to uh, make this film, how did you go about financing it? Oh, I mean, it's a found footage movie, so it's it's uh, it's very, you know, it's it, it's such a small budget. It wasn't like um, my other movies where I have to uh, get tattoos of the uh, company that gave me money. <laughs> Earlier today, I showed people a tattoo I got <laughs> to get financing. My body is a NASCAR burn suit. <laughs> you, c you can rent out any piece of it and uh, have your company name or logo on it for a certain amount of money. Maybe I'll talk to some of the good people at Apple. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, have you ever seen a grizzly bear stand up on its hind legs? Um, are you warning me about being in Canada? Potentially. <laughs> no, I have, I've, I've been to bear bars. Right. And I've seen them stand <laughs> up. Um, uh, but don't you think maybe that's what people are seeing? When the, that they mistake for a Sasquatch? Oh, I think sometimes, sure. Of right. course. I'm sure there's... A, or, or even um, starving bears look very weird. Or bears that have lost their, their uh, weight and stuff. Right. Sure. I'm, yeah. I mean, but... but you know, have you seen a polar bear stand up? 
I'm not falling for this again. <laughs> the last time a man a asked me about that. A yeti. Oh, yeah, okay. Right, the abominable Oh, I got where you're going with right? that. I thought I, mean, I was going to have to lose my pants. Um, <laughs> Are you I, yeti? Um, there's no polar bears in the Himalaya. Oh, there aren't? Uh, no. Aha. Oh. Uh -huh. well, there we go. <laughs> I win. <laughs> Did you so, know that Jimmy? You know did you know that Jimmy Stewart brought, <laughs> smuggled a Yeti finger out of the Himalaya? You and Joe Rogan was uh, talking oh, about that. Oh, in, right. in the Himalaya, um, uh, he's Jimmy Stewart, the actor, smuggled it out of uh, the Himalaya. Uh, what was they thought was a Yeti finger in his wife's underwear, uh, not in the sexy way. It was actually <laughs> in her underwear and luggage. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Mrs. Stewart. There's a couple she, she of loves other podcasts. Sorry. There's a couple of other Bigfoot movies out right now. I'm sure you're aware of. There's yes. a documentary called Shooting Bigfoot, a mockumentary directed by Morgan Matthews, which I actually saw earlier this year at Hot Docs, and it also riffs on Blair Witch to a significant right. degree. Have you seen that? Film? No, no. And in fact, strangely, the co-director of Blair Witch, Eduardo Sanchez has a movie coming out called Exists, which is about Bigfoot. Yes. So do you have any theories as to why there's this weird simultaneous number of films coming out that have merged Bigfoot with Blair Witch? What's going on in the cultural shitegeist to That's have made this happen? I think um, it's a lot like when there was a whole bunch of movies that were like Freaky Friday. Okay. <laughs> there was 18 again and big. And um, no, I don't know why there's a zygist of uh, found footage Bigfoot movies. Maybe because it's just uh, an idea that people... There is actually way more Bigfoot awareness right now. I, I don't know if it's the show Finding Bigfoot or if it's just right. um, uh, people are more comfortable about talking about it or something, but it, there is this uh, Bigfoot zygist. I don't know. Yeah. All right, we're going to open it up to some questions. Does anybody have any questions for Bobcats? Let me repeat that. The, it, He's saying he knows the Bigfoot is primarily in the Northwest, but what do you know about any East Coast sightings of Sasquatch? I think it's all good. I don't want to see any fighting between the East Coast, West Coast, Bigfoot communities, you know. I don't have any drive-by squatchings. Um, uh, actually, there's, you know, folks that have, uh, you know, Ohio's known for it, no, uh, Maine and New Hampshire. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's it, you know, it, it's, it seems pretty prevalent. And the other thing is, even if you don't believe in it, I am fascinated why does this character show up in so many different cultures for so many years? What does it represent? You know, what is this archetypal? If it's the character that even if it's fake, it's like, why do we keep doing it? Is something as simple as is our way of telling kids, don't go out in the woods, you'll get lost, or you'll get eaten by a bear or a clown. But um, uh, so that I find is fascinating. If it's something that we're making in our subconscious, why do we keep creating it over and over again? And that's part of the reason I'm interested in it, too. It doesn't Anyone just else? have to be Bigfoot related. You can ask me anything. There we go. Hey, uh, did any of the Sasquatches and Indians that you met uh, have like a, any Sasquatches like a spiritual figure? Did they have any sort of yeah. Yeah, there are folks that do have, uh, uh, 
you know, see Bigfoot as a... Uh, yeah, there, there's some that seem as a spiritual, or her, as a spiritual character. That's one thing, the, in the Patterson-Gimlet footage, that's a female Sasquatch. Uh, uh, and that part of like, if you're gonna make a suit in 67, why would you put breasts on it? Not unless you really, that's a really weird fetish, you know? It's like, man, I really wish it'd be a hot, hot Sasquatch coming through right now. Um, so I think that'd be a, that's a weird thing to go out of your way to put breasts on a, a Sasquatch. But there's, you know, I, I do believe that the folks that do make Sasquatch this benevolent hippie will probably be a little bit annoyed with this movie, you know. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, Native Americans in the West Coast actually uh, have a big history of, uh, of, of Sasquatch being a... Um, an aggressive character, not not this uh, uh, moonbeam. Uh, Let me just repeat that for the podcast. Okay, so how do you make a movie when you have no money? There we go. Um, the um, I've made six movies now, and of all various sizes and. Um, the first movie that I made that was ever accepted into festivals was a movie I made called Sleeping Dogs Lie. And I made that movie with a crew from Craigslist. Um, you know, and sometimes people say, well, of course it was easier for you to get a movie into Sundance because you're recognizable. But, but at the same time, I think it probably hurt. You know, I think, you know, I have as much credibility as Snake from Degrassi who actually did get a movie in the Sundance too, by the way. Uh, you have another question? Okay, we need $20,000 to do the film. And this is a film uh, during 25 minutes. And it's difficult to record the, the money we want to do the film. Um, I've also, you know, there's folks who do the Kickstarter and all that which is a weird thing because that becomes uh, another job. Uh, one thing, uh, I have a friend that makes very small movies and basically what he does is he throws a party and he says, look, I'm not paying you back. <laughs> You're gonna get a, a credit in the movie and um, it starts at $500. And uh, he, he actually has had success doing it that way. So um, I... Um, you know, I'm here now at the Fantasia Fest pitching new movies, trying to meet people. It's never easy. It's never easy. You want to talk to me? Well, I don't think you understand. My movies make hundreds of dollars. So if... <laughs> You've mentioned that. It's been very long since police... It's been a very long time since Police Academy, so I really don't have much money. You mentioned that you make films purely from a desire to make films, that you don't True. sustain any kind of a lifestyle based on the money True. you make from films. Are you still doing stand-up to yes, sort of I pay do. the bills? Yes, I do. I mean, I'm fortunate that I get to do stand-up comedy to pay my bills. But yeah, I do stand-up comedy. Uh, I'm not suggesting you get into it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard. I'm not implying you're not funny. Um, but... Um, <laughs> are you here at uh, Just Before? <laughs> So I, um, 
I, I, I do keep my day job. I work on television. I just directed a special for Patton Oswalt, a comedy special for Comedy Central. I, I'm always doing, that was a pleasurable job, but I always try to hustle and, and make a living. That way I can make movies outside of the system where, you know, when I first started making movies, I would take meetings about these movies and none of those movies have gotten made yet. So I just keep writing. One thing I will suggest is to write and write and write because because that is a that a finished screenplay that makes sense to another person that you can hand it to and they can read it, that is very valuable. And, and everybody's the first thing they say is no, but you know it's easier now with a digital uh, age to go out and make movies. You know, sometimes I think about the fact that if I start if I get no money, I'm still going to end up making hand puppets with an iPhone and telling stories. I'm not suggesting you do that, but seriously, I mean, I I really just love telling stories. Sometimes we do need money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty close to doing boat shows with David Hasselhoff. I'm the wrong guy to ask about money. I want to ask you about your face film, Shakes the Clown. Um, hmm. The funniest moment for me of any of your films is that moment when Robin Williams teaches that mime class. Right. It's just one of those scenes that you just have to keep rewinding until you get it out <laughs> of your system. But uh, when you look back at that movie uh, now compared to the films that you've made subsequently, while your subject matter hasn't necessarily calmed down, your approach has gotten consistently more disciplined and thoughtful, I guess. So when you look back at Shakes, do you see that you've grown in terms of uh, being a craftsman? Because it's sort of got this I hope wild, so. chaotic rhythm. Yeah, do that you, movie's more about like us seeing if we could make a movie. And then the other movies were actually me asking myself, can I tell a story? So yeah, so right. yeah, I mean, I hope there's a learning curve, you know, uh, yeah. No, um, I am uh, I am on Instagram, but I am not um, on uh, social media, and I'm sure I will. But um, I just I I just don't want to argue with strangers, <laughs> and and I already know that I'm prone to being self-absorbed. I really thought if I could sit there and ego surf all day and see what uh, Star Child 59 had to say about me, it would probably uh, eat up a lot of my day. What would be your recommendation? Uh, the first go to thing that you would do when you have an idea, you collaborate with people, you go out to search out the right people, you find the actors, you work on a script, or try to tell the people how does that work? I try to get my movies financed outside the system so then once they're finished, I can sell them to people. I don't go the other way around because when I did the other way around, this is just me personally and I'm making personal stories. I'm not trying to make, I don't make movies for everybody and I don't mean that in a, uh, I, that's just not my goal. As a, as a 51 year old guy, I'm making movies uh, that I wanna see, which sounds kind of arrogant, but I am arrogant. So uh, it works out well for me. But um, 
I keep hearing this question of how do you get money, how do you get money? It, you know what? It, every time I've gone out, I've gotten money from different places. I, 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 uh, I'm starting to feel like Werner Herzog in Burden of Dreams. I don't know if you've ever seen that doc, but um, <laughs> you should see it. Because <laughs> he's in this kind of situation and people keep asking him, how do you get money to make a movie? And he says, you go to the bowels of hell and you wrestle the film from the devil himself. That's what he says back, and I'm not that arrogant. So uh, uh, I'll just say, hey, good luck. I wouldn't put Schwarzenegger and Robin Williams together in a movie because uh, I don't want, I don't want uh, Doubtfire to get knocked up. Um, that was a reference to Arnold Schwarzenegger bagging his maid. Um, I, um, the dream project for me is a, a movie uh, that I've been trying to get going for a little while called Schoolboys in Disgrace. It's a movie based on a, a Kinks album from the 70s called Schoolboys in Disgrace. And I've been working with Ray Davis on trying to get that project going and that is bigger and that's a scope uh, a much larger scope than the movies I make but I, I I'm tenacious and I know someday I'll make it but I do want to make it the right way and I don't want to make it a way that I'm not embarrassed of later on you know Thank you very much. Thank. well tell us a bit more about the project that you're here hustling to get oh that's schoolboys that's the that's musical the one, yeah. yes I know okay. quite often um, if you think of me, you think of musicals right away. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> uh, when I say that I'm trying to make a musical, people imagine that I'm singing, you know, that I'm going, Rah! but um, <laughs> it's actually uh, uh, this album that spoke to me from, from since I was a kid, you know, and it's about uh, how authoritarian characters in your life are always there to knock you down, and it's about a kid that gets knocked down enough by authority that he turns into a villain. Um, but the songs are really upbeat and they're great mu songs and great music and, I, and, I, and I, I know I'll make that movie, I just wanna make sure I make it the right way. I heard you talking about going to see Shakes the Clown. Yeah, I went to see. recently at a screening <laughs> and people were showing up dressed like the characters. Yeah, it was very weird. There was a screening of Shakes and the Shakes the Clown fans were dressed as uh, characters from the movies, but then there was actually clown whores there, which was really weird, like sexy clowns. And then when we were there, um, you know, I'll tell a shake story. When I made a movie about alcoholic clowns, for those who aren't aware of it, and uh, I ended up on the Today Show for the first time because clowns were protesting the movie. And I get off a plane and I'm exhausted. I, have, I took a red eye into New York and they stopped me in the hallway and the producer for the Today Show goes, a clown is gonna debate you on the program. And I go, yeah, I know, I've seen your show. And, uh, and then they go, no, a real clown. I go, my apologies to Katie. And then I sat in a dressing room with a guy in a clown suit who really wouldn't give it up. I go, hi, I'm Bob, I'm Bobcat. We're going on the, out there on the, the show today, what's your name? He's like, I'm Bamboozle. And I'm, no, what's your real name? And he's like, please call me Bamboozle, okay? I'm in my, so he's really kind of, kind of uppity. So 
I get out on the show, and this is back when I was still doing my persona and in interviews, and so, like, and, 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 and the clown is like, clowns do a lot of good for a lot of good causes, and Bobcat's film portrays them in a negative way. Like, you know, and I go, nobody thinks you're funny. The only reason you perform in hospitals because that's one place a kid can't get up and run away from you. <laughs> and uh, Katie Kirk was like, would you please be serious? And I was like, no, you're interviewing me and a clown, you know? <laughs> He's like, what, did you lose a bet? So I guess that is the thing about the movies I make. There's always some group that is, is personally upset. And I have noticed this thing each time out. The people who are the most upset have not seen the movie. It's always the, you know, it's the, it's the people who are, you know, the clowns who hadn't seen the movie were mad about shakes, and, and the, even this movie, people were a little, uh, people, you know, were sure I was making fun of, of, of their beliefs and stuff, right. uh, but that's not the case at all. You're not going to get Bigfoot protesters outside the screenings, I hope. N no, I won't. I, I, or maybe, you know, maybe like Bigfoot people who haven't seen the movie. Right. <laughs> He was inspired by your shake story. I think that's true. Uh, he, he's asking, what do I think is the magic in the Rocky Horror Picture Show that keeps people all these years later and dressing up and memorizing the lines? Uh, it's just the message, I guess, at the end of the day. You know, uh, don't, uh, don't dream it, be it, you know? And uh, that's a pretty solid way to live your life. I will say this, people looking for career advice. Um, the only career advice I can give you is, uh, you know, to to quit often in life, you know? Uh, there's a real North American thing, or certainly an American thing, I, I mean, not American, sorry, United States thing of never give up. And um, giving up is fine, you know? Uh, I quit all through my life, and I finally got to a place where I'm really happy. So there's no, no reason that when things aren't working out, it maybe it's the universe telling you maybe that's not what you should be doing. It's okay to quit. I quit a whole bunch, and now I'm in a place that I don't want to leave, you know? And I joke about the fact to, that, that um, you know, here's the thing. If you're interested in making indie movies, you don't get rich, and, it's, and it's, it's, that's just the case, you know? There's, you know, Little Miss Sunshine and, and uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite and those kind of movies, you know, those are flukes. But if you're someone who has to tell stories, this, you don't have a say in it, you know? You just gotta make these movies, you know? One of my favorite Robin Williams performances, beyond that mime scene that I mentioned from Shakes, is World's Greatest Dad. It's one of his great performances, I think. Thanks. He's somebody that's been very important to your career, especially sure. early on. Are you going to continue to work with them on other Yeah, I wrote another hopefully? screenplay for he and I, so I'm out trying to get uh, uh, funding for that, you know? So, um, but, but, you know, I was, it was weird. Robin and I have been friends since I was 19 years old, and I was very nervous on the first day of World's Greatest Dad. Like, I thought, am I going to give him direction? Like, hey, we're going to do this scene, but we're going to do it a little quieter, and he's going to say, I have an Academy Award, and you were in Hot to Trot. Uh, but that's not what happened at all. It, it was the direct opposite. We actually really uh, became good friends, uh, or closer friends, I think, while we made the movie. Right. All right, my last question is, are you ever going to direct yourself in a film? Again? I did that, and I don't think I'll do that again because uh, 
I, uh, I really want to, to, I'm really taking this serious, trying to tell stories. And, and um, the few times I show up in movies, it's really honestly on the day an actor falls out or something like that. Like in World's Greatest Dad, I play a limo driver. <laughs> but I really didn't think it was that much stretch that a guy from Police Academy was now driving a limo in LA. I didn't think that was a big stretch, so. Bobcat Goldthwaite, everyone. Thank you very much for coming out. Thank you so much.